This podcast is brought to you by the Village of Bedford Park, your home for business. Over 450 businesses strong and growing with a safe, reliable Lake Michigan water supply. Visit VOBPBiz.com and bring your business home to the Village of Bedford Park. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Now, the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's 12.03, Tuesday afternoon, February 20th. Good afternoon. Thanks for joining us. I'm Rob Hart. Brain implant is allowing a person to control a computer mouse just by thinking about it. We'll talk about that in our next segment. But right now, there are some major stories in retail today involving Walmart and Home Depot. Let's get the latest from Jan Rogers Niffen, CEO, J. Rogers Niffen Worldwide in New York. Jan, thank you for joining us today. And this is very interesting. Walmart buying Vizio, the TV maker, $2.3 billion. And Walmart and Sam's Club, they sell a lot of uh, Vizio smart TVs. But the real potential, as far as Walmart is concerned, is the ad revenue. Explain how that works. In new cup products, it's coming out of health and wellness. It's coming out of advertising. It's coming out of third-party 3PL, what we used to call it at Amazon so that they're providing services to other retailers. So they're seeing that side of the business that's where the growth, especially high margin growth, is coming from that enhances the performance of the base business. So they see this as an opportunity to really improve their advertising revenues. But it's just another expansion of the total business at Walmart. But, you know, right now, we think of Walmart as just, number one, a big 5,000 store in the U.S., 11,000 stores worldwide retailers. But they did $100 billion last year online. Who else can do $100 billion online that's a U.S.-based company? Just really Amazon. So they're doing what Amazon is doing, right? They're going into providing services to other retailers like 3PL. They're going into advertising just like Amazon is. They're going into web services just like Amazon is. So this is just an extension. Amazon is looking at their business. Walmart is to reach the customer, bring them to the fold, make them part of the business in another way, and drive a revenue base that has high returns, relatively low investment, and good gross margins compared to, say, groceries, which is 60% of Walmart's retail business right now. So if, if you own a Vizio smart TV, and, and like every other smart TV provider, they have this uh, kind of basic level of streaming programming that just kind of pops up uh, when you turn the TV on. And it's 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 a, a number of channels and a number of different genres. And uh, what Walmart is doing is they're just getting into the ad sales business that uh, if, if you want to advertise in one of these uh, free Vizio channels, uh, your money goes to Walmart, basically. Right. And they're looking for advertising revenues in various ways. This is just one of them. So this just looks like an opportunity to acquire something that's going to have the ability to drive that advertising dollar as opposed to building it yourself. And, you know, that's that's one of the things that 
Walmart's doing. They're looking at things that they can add to their business. They've always bought things and, and actually got rid of things that didn't really work. This looks like one of those things that really will work because one of the important things they want to drive down is that advertising revenue. So if you're Walmart, it's really hard to start gaining market share in your business because you're so big. I mean, they grew business 4% this last quarter, and that was a huge chunk of money and a huge effort, right? But if you can grow something like online 23% a year, or you can grow, grow advertising revenues maybe 100% a year because they haven't been very big in the past, you can really add something to your business and you can add something that has higher returns per dollar of sales than your regular retail business does. So I really love what they're doing. I mean, I think they're doing all the right, smart things. They've had some false starts, you know. They've bought some things in that, that, that didn't work out, but they've been smart enough to try them, excise them from the business, move on to the next thing, and continue the growth pattern. And they're the biggest competitor nose to nose in online against Amazon. And now they're competing against Amazon in all of these other areas as well. And you have to admit, they're winning the game in their business. They're very healthy. Their stock's at a new high. The, wall, the street really released, likes what they released today. Home Depot released what I thought were good numbers, too. The street liked them less. But they loved Walmart's numbers, and they were already sitting you know, near record highs. Jan Rogers Niffin, CEO, J. Rogers Niffin Worldwide in New York. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up, controlling a computer mouse using only your mind. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. A patient with a Neuralink brain implant can now control a computer mouse simply by thought. That's the word from company founder Elon Musk. Let's discuss this development and what may lie ahead with Matt Wren, founder and chief technology officer VRAR in Chicago. Matt, thank you for joining us today. And what does this look like? Do we have video of how this brain computer mouse interface works? Uh, I don't know if there's any video yet, but I do know, you know, I think Elon Musk tweeted about it. And what they're talking about is, so the, the, the person who had the Neuralink, they had the surgery, they've recovered from the surgery. They're obviously now learning what, you know, what the capabilities are. And so the first thing that they've tweeted out is basically saying, okay, this person can now move a computer mouse. And, you know, to, to be clear, the goal that they had initially, what they were saying, you know, this is, uh, I believe they were looking for paraplegic or quadriplegic patients. So somebody who can't use their limbs. And they wanted them to be able to effectively, you know, be able to do things on their smartphone or on a tablet. So if they're able to move a mouse and ultimately be able to click a mouse, then that would effectively be a success for them. It would give them the goal of, okay, they, they, they've allowed somebody who doesn't have the use of their limbs to interact with their touchscreen. Uh, like so, like you or I would just you know touch on our smartphone. And then this this is not the only uh, brain computer interface model out there. You don't have to necessarily have the Neuralink chip installed in you to do something like this. There are other also uh, uh, caps that you could wear, kind of in, in a less invasive fashion, to do the same thing or something close to it. Yeah, I mean, there's a, there's a history of this technology. This is, you know, Neuralink, as, as much press as Neuralink is getting because it's a commercial technology doing this, this isn't new. I mean, if you want to go back in history a little bit from, from brain-implanted uh, things, there's, um, I think it was University of Pitt made a lot of news in, like, 2012 uh, because they implanted um, electrodes in a woman's brain and she was able to move a robotic arm. 
more recently, there's been, you know, to your point, EEG or uh, electroencephalography. There have been devices where you're placing electrodes outside of a human's head, and they've, you know, I've seen them mounted on like an HTC Vive, which is a VR headset, and they're able to allow a user to do some very basic BCI movement. So, uh, you know, I, I tried it myself once. I was at, I'm trying to remember, this was several years ago, 2018 or so. Uh, but I wore an HTC Vive that had on the head strap probably it felt like about ten kind of you know hockey puck sized sensors on it, and we were able to you were able to train and ultimately be able to look in the VR headset and move a ball. So no, it, it's this isn't it, it's a first step is what I'll say. But the, the technology has been around; they've done other things along these lines in the past. Is this the future though? If you take this all the way out to its best case use case scenario, where maybe one day, I mean, the first step is manipulating the mouse uh, using the implant in your brain, but then one day you could manipulate a robotic arm, you could operate a robotic leg, or even a, a fully, uh, a, almost a robot body uh, using this Neuralink implant. And of course, this does seem like something out of science fiction, but uh, if this is a technology that can allow you to move around once again uh i there there aren't words that can describe what that would be like for you right i mean if you want to go way out in the future elon musk has talked about using this type of technology to interface interface human brains with ai which i think is you know that's a little more science fiction and a little you know frankly somewhat frightening but to your point a very valid use case and a very powerful use case of this is to give you know, paraplegic, quadriplegic, the ability to use limbs again. Like that, that's a really powerful use case that allows people, and, and obviously there's a huge need for them to be able to, to move, it, to just function in society. Brain computer, brain technology implants, I'll say, have been around. We, we spoke about this the last time we spoke about um, cochlear implants that help people, you know, who are deaf previously to hear again. So the, the concept of using this technology to allow people with limited abilities to do things that they would otherwise be limited from doing. Um, I know one of the, one of the other ones that uh, is a little bit further advanced, but to your point, was somebody who's paraplegic being able to use the BCI, the brain computer interface or the Neuralink to potentially implant with, you know, below where their spinal column, below where the injury takes place to allow them to have the use of their legs again, just by, you know, kind of reconnecting electrically what was disconnected in an injury. So there's a lot of really powerful uses for this. And obviously the, the great ones would be medical and helping people do things that would otherwise be limited. Matt Wren, founder and chief technology officer, VRAR Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next on this Travel Tuesday, tips for dads taking kids on a trip. Lunch money for all generations. This is the WBBM Noon Business Hour. It's Travel Tuesday, and in this segment, we're looking to help dads who are in charge of a traveling party that includes kids. Let's get some strategic assistance from Mark Walters, Walters World Travel and Culture. Find him on YouTube. He's also an associate professor of business administration at the University of Illinois Geese College of Business in Urbana-Champaign. Mark, thank you for joining us today. And um, what are some very easy tips? I mean, traveling with kids, uh, even if you're experienced travelers and you have the system down, and even if your kids are good travelers too, there's always one thing that tends to surprise you along the way. So what are some good rules of thumb when you're uh, when you're traveling? and taking the kids in tow. Thanks, Rob. So I think one of the things you need to remember is just dress your kids in bright colors because you always have that panic moment where you're like, where's Junior? Where's Junior? And you're not sure where they are. 
We always dress our kids up when they were little. It literally looks like they were going to a Grateful Dead show. They wore so much tie-dyed, you know, clothing you just see out of anywhere. That makes it so much easier for you to find them in those, oh, my goodness, where's my child moments. It, it's funny you mentioned that because uh, when, when, when we travel, uh, Mrs. Hart uh, makes sure, make sure the three girls are all dressed in identical outfits. And you get on the airplane and everyone just says, oh, that's so cute. Uh, they're dressed alike. How did you coordinate all of that? And the simple answer is they all wear the same thing. So in case one goes running off, which rarely happens, if at all, you know where to, what they're wearing and how to find them. Exactly. And with that, I would actually take a picture each morning before you go out. You have your camera. It's not taking up much memory. Have that to the exact outfit. So if they do get lost or they do wander off, you can show the police officer this is exactly what they were wearing. That makes it a lot easier to find them. We're talking uh, travel tips for parents and dads with Mark Walters, Walters World Travel and Culture. Uh, find him on YouTube. Uh, what we Above and beyond, though, what you dress the kids in when you're traveling, uh, what about adults so they can find you? So when my kids were little, we always wore bright shoes. My wife has a collection of bright yellow, bright green, bright orange shoes, and I had bright orange shoes as well. So when the little kids were down there, they're walking around. Parents just look like a forest of legs, but they see dad's bright orange shoes over there. They're like, dad, the Illini, and they would come over. Actually, we this actually helped us in Beijing a couple times with our kids finding us in the crowds. And it's sometimes just simple like that, because remember, the, from the kids' perspective, what they see. Now, that, that's interesting you mentioned. You talk about traveling in Beijing or big cities around the world. Uh, if you are from a family and maybe your, your kids are really experienced travelers, but they've done Disney World or they've done cruises or all-inclusive resorts, uh, it's a different ballgame when you're traveling in a different city where the environment isn't as controlled uh, as you get in a theme park. Yes. And that's why I always tell it's really important to talk to your kids before you go to a destination. Let them know, hey, if something happens, who should you talk to, a mom or a police officer? If you're at the hotel, how do I tell them where I need to go? That's why one of the things I usually tell people, if you go to your hotel, get their business card and put it in the pocket of your kid's pants or their jacket so they get lost. They at least have that that address, hey, this is where we need to go. And, of course, write your phone number on there, too, so they can call mom and dad. But it's little things like that that can really make a big difference in those moments when someone finds your kid. Mark Walters, Walters World Travel and Culture. Find him on YouTube. He's also an associate professor of business administration at the University of Illinois. Thank you for joining us today. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. 
T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. This is Chicago's news, traffic, and weather station, News Radio 105.9. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. Good afternoon. I'm Rob Hart. These are the top stories on News Radio WBBM. Chicago police investigate an incident in the South Shore neighborhood that's left two young boys with gunshot wounds. The United Nations Security Council votes in a measure calling for a ceasefire in Gaza. It's Travel Tuesday. Things you'll want to know if you're going on a cruise for the first time. Also on the travel front, American Airlines raising checked luggage prices and changing its frequent flyer program. WBBM Business, the markets are lower. The Dow is down 115 points. NASDAQ down 238. The S&P 500 is down 44. We have 54 degrees right now under mostly sunny skies at 1231. Topping our news at the half hour, two boys ages 12 and 14 are being treated for gunshot wounds after an incident on the south side yesterday afternoon. It happened just before 2 in the afternoon near 78th and Escanaba. They were in a car that had come under gunfire, though it's not clear who was driving the vehicle they were in. Police tracked down the suspected shooters, resulting in a standoff with the SWAT team at a house at 79th and Burnham. Donnell Peltz lives in the neighborhood, he told CBS2. It's very devastating, and I have a 13-year-old daughter, and I wouldn't want that to happen. It's sad that the kids get a hold of guns. Two people are in custody. Charges are pending. The U.S. has vetoed a United Nations resolution demanding an immediate humanitarian ceasefire in Gaza. This comes as Israel orders new evacuations from parts of Gaza City. World Health Organization spokesperson Tarek Yasarvik tells the BBC. I talked this morning with one of my colleagues who was in these missions. Uh, yesterday, and uh, and what he described as a, as a really heartbreaking situation where there is no water, there is no electricity uh, in a hospital. Today's action is the third U.S. veto of a Security Council resolution calling for a ceasefire. It's 12.32 as the noon business hour continues. Markets are in the red today. We're joined by Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com in San Diego. Jim, thank you for joining us today. And is this simply a case of uh, waiting for NVIDIA. It reports after the bell tomorrow. And are the uh, markets in a holding pattern until then? Well, they're not in a holding pattern as we're seeing today. They're, they're descending uh, just a tad. <laughs> uh, yeah, I mean, there's some of that going on at the same time. If you look at the charts of NVIDIA and a couple of the other semiconductor stocks, they really have gone parabolic. Uh, one of them was down over 25% on Friday. I think it's down another 10% today. Parabolic moves end abruptly, and whether or not NVIDIA's earnings come in to match, I think the tide has turned, at least in the short term, on that whole sector, which is one of the reasons why I've been anticipating a 3 to 7% decline in the S&P. 
Now, there are some interesting debate I saw this morning in the Wall Street Journal, and it's like, how do you just measure the progress of the economy writ large right now? Because you have a number of reports that suggest that the economy is hot and potentially overheating. Employment, GDP, the last two inflation prints that we saw. But there are some other numbers that suggest that maybe the economy is nowhere close to hot as we think it is and that people are actually starting to pull back a little bit well i'm in that second camp rob if you look at the employment number yeah the job number was uh, over three hundred thousand, which is obviously very strong hours work though dropped two tenths and when you think about 120 some million people who are working uh, based on an hourly wage you get your hours cut by one or two hours in a week uh your income is going to go down not up so i think one has to look at some of these data points uh, like the retail sales. Some people say, oh, my goodness, you know, that big decline. Well, I think weather played a role plus seasonal adjustment. So we're unfortunately in this weird place where some of the data points need to be taken with a grain of salt. But I go back to just some basic things. The Fed tightened uh, the funds rate the most aggressively in 40 years. Lending standards have been tightened 40, uh, the most in 40 years. And I think as we go out to the next six to nine months, Rob, we are going to see the economy slow, I think somewhat markedly. And then we'll see what shows up later this year in things like commercial real estate problems uh, beginning to hit the small and regional banks again. And then I want to go back and uh, just touch on NVIDIA. Uh, one more question regarding the performance of the stock, especially in the future. And that is, uh, it, it's, been, it's been one of the great success stories uh, simply because of the incredible growth in AI and you need the chips to make AI work. Eventually, other competitors in this space will develop their own infrastructure. They will develop their own chips to compete with NVIDIA. What happens then? Well, the stock will go lower probably significantly, even as they continue to do a great job managing the company. I often point out, if you look at this stock of RCA, which was the forerunner to NBC, in the 20s, the stock went absolutely nuts. Uh, got over, I think, 590 is where it topped. And ultimately, it was bought out by General Electric at $78 a share. It got hyped Rob, based on the potential for, yeah, they're going to have not just the voices, but they're going to have pictures on something called television. Uh, RCA capitalized on all the hopes and dreams that people had for the company, and yet the price just got disconnected. And as you pointed out, competition shows up, and all of a sudden that changes uh, the landscape pretty significantly. Jim Welsh, macro strategist and portfolio manager, macrotides.com in San Diego. Thank you for joining us today. Coming up next in Travel Tuesday, making sure you're prepared if you're heading out on a cruise for the very first time. Cash, credit, debit, and totally free. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. It's Travel Tuesday, and the cruise industry is back up to full speed following pandemic slowdowns. Let's get some advice for people thinking about taking their first cruise or haven't been on one for a long time from Ilana Schatower, founder and content creator of the YouTube channel Life Well Cruised and LifeWellCruised.com. Ilana, thank you for joining us today. And if you're a first timer, there are some basic things you need to know uh, before you even get to the port. Firstly, people really should plan to arrive a day early. It's not obvious, but the cruise ship will actually leave if you don't arrive on time. So that's definitely something people have to plan for. 
And the other thing is uh, make sure you have your passport with you because you could be an American citizen and the ship could be leaving from Florida, but uh, that ship is registered probably to the Bahamas or some other country. And when you are stepping on board, you are leaving the United States. Yes, that is true. Although there are some closed loop cruises where Americans do not need a passport. However, if they inquire with the cruise line, or with their travel agent, they'll find out which one. But it is always safer to have a passport. In particular, some of the islands that you'll be visiting are going to require it, and otherwise you can actually be denied boarding. And then and the one thing, once you actually get on board the ship, there are all sorts of add-on packages that you could purchase. Uh, there's the drink, there's the alcoholic drink package, there's the non-alcoholic drink package, there's the, uh, the, the, the a food package, all sorts of things that you could have adding on to your cruise fare, and you could find out at the end of your voyage you didn't need that. So what are some ways you can avoid being nickel and dimed once you're on board? Oh, that's such a good question. Obviously, if people really do think they're going to make good use of that alcoholic beverage package, that is a good buy. However, many cruise lines do allow cruisers to bring on one bottle of wine per person for the cruise. So therefore, if you think you're just going to drink a little bit of wine, that is definitely one way to save a little bit of money. You can also bring on even some soda cans sometimes. That's another way. Beyond that, there are just ways to look for what is included on the cruise and avoid some of those extras. There's actually a ton of food that's included and activities. So I would first look for what's included rather than look for the things that do have an upcharge. And uh, let me give you a story from the, uh, the, the, the Hart Family Hall of Shame, or at least my travel yeah. hall of shame, was uh, be sure to double check the carry-on policy uh, for your cruise line because we uh, put uh, two bottles of wine in checked luggage and discovered that, no, you have to carry it on with you. And uh, some people who work for the Disney Cruise Line in Port Canaveral uh, got two free bottles of wine from us. So uh, be sure to double check -check that policy uh, before you You go on board. And then once once you get to the destinations, once you get to the port excursions and the stops, uh, what are some good rules of thumb for leaving the ship and coming back? Well, people really do want to make sure that they know what um, what time the cruise ship is leaving. Unfortunately, we've all seen those videos where people are either peer runners and they do make it to the ship even if they're almost late. But the other ones, sadly, they can be left they can be left behind in the island. So you really want to know what time your cruise ship is leaving. And if you are on ship time or port time, that is really an important distinction. And then you will have the option for uh, automatic gratuity for the uh, people who turn down your room or the people who uh, are, are, are with you at your table if you cycle through different restaurants over the course of the cruise. And uh, some people opt out of that and should you. Well, in my opinion, I don't think you should really do that. Obviously, people do have a choice as long as the cruise line allows that. However, when we are leaving that automatic gratuity, that is going to all of the different people that actually make your vacation so amazing. So like you said, the people that are serving you in the main dining room or in the buffet and the variety of restaurants, the people that are cleaning your room, making it so comfortable for you, and they really go beyond the kind of service that you would have in a hotel. So 
it is money um, that really is going for a good cause for and, the crew. And then lastly, if you are looking at cruise reservations right now and, the, and you have the options of a balcony room, a porthole room, or an interior room, uh, should you spend the extra money and get the balcony? Well, it really does depend what you want out of your vacation. If you think you might be a little bit claustrophobic, you might want to avoid an interior cabin. It is going to be small. It is not going to have a window. However, it is a fantastic way to save money. And if you think you're not going to be in your cabin very much, then it is a great way to save a little bit to save a little bit of money there. But, you know, instead you can spend it on excursions and other things on the cruise ship. Ilana Schatauer, founder and content creator for the YouTube channel Life Well Cruised. Uh, thank you for joining us today. The WBBM Noon Business Hour continues. American Airlines is making moves involving bag fees and the frequent flyer program. Let's get the update from Joe Schwederman, professor of public services and director of the Chattuck Institute at DePaul University in Chicago. Joe, thank you for joining us today. And that's this is a big deal for a lot of flyers in Chicago because American uh, is a... O'Hare is a hub for Americans, so a lot of people uh, utilize American Airlines on a daily basis. And what are the changes coming to the uh, bag fee program? Yeah, big announcement today. They're going to boost the fee by $5, going to go up to $40. If you do it at the airport, 35 you do it in advance. And that puts them above uh, all the other uh, big three airlines, big four airlines. And we're going to see a little pushback by consumers, but they're bringing bags in record numbers. So there's uh, a cash register going here. <laughs> But there, but there is an adjustment for, uh, for for bags that may be over the 50-pound limit that uh, works in the consumer's favor. Oh, that's right. And the costs are up, and they're going to actually uh, lower the uh, additional fees when you go over that limit uh, quite a bit, actually. So what they're trying to do is is uh, claim uh, claiming that the, these more closely reflect the fuel burn you have when people bring those bags. And I, for one, have noticed when people even take weekend trips now, they're bringing these really large, uh, wide bags that are probably pretty close to that limit. So they're trying to trying to create some incentives. Is this the airline industry still trying to recoup uh, the money they lost in 2020 and 21? It is. And, uh, you know, post-pandemic, business travel's falling. People go cheap. They like these uh, unbundled fares, you might say, where you, you uh, get a cheap price, but you pay for everything, you know, assigned seats and uh, uh, baggage and so we're seeing a move to that and people that, uh, you know, found ways to avoid those baggage fees. But uh, I do think other airlines are likely to match, but it'll be fun to watch to see if they uh, if they match it in full or take it in a slightly different direction. This next uh, frequent flyer policy change could affect uh, some of the road warriors, especially as uh, business travel comes back, because uh, it will not allow some travel agency bookings to earn miles. So does that affect business travelers or does that affect families who book through an agency? You know, they're trying to drive that traffic to the American website and take out the middleman, you might say. So what they're doing is really scaling back uh, when you go through those third parties, how those frequent flyer points are doled out. There's a lot of this is a, creates a lot of friction because, you know, travel agents try hard to uh, meet their clients and the rules keep changing on them. Uh, but starting uh, in March, they're going to going to scale back on that and then try to try to push people to go straight to their website. Well, I remember a couple of years ago, CBS flew me out to New York and it went through the corporate travel agency and they asked like, well, what's your what's your frequent flyer number on the do you have a preferred airline? And is that can you still get those miles, those advantage miles if uh, if the office books the trip for you? 
Oh, you you can. And, uh, you know, basic economy, they've scaled back miles. Uh, but what they're going to do is if you buy super discount tickets through a travel agent, uh, there's going to be fewer miles to be given. And, and changing some of the incentives for those travel agencies to, uh, you know, try to get, get people to book more expensive tickets, you might say. So that's going to be an interesting dynamic to see how much success they have with that. Joe Schwederman, Professor of Public Services and Director of the Chaddock Institute at Paul University in Chicago. Thank you for joining us today. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. (sighs) Spring is a time of renewal, so why not refresh your home with a little help from Blinds.com? We make getting custom window treatments a minor project with major impact. Choose from premium blinds, shades, and shutters. We even have options for your patio, too. Blinds.com invented a better way to shop for custom window treatments. There's no pushy salespeople in your home or inflated showroom prices. Our design experts can help you find the perfect window treatments on your schedule. We'll even send free samples directly to you. Plus, we can handle the measuring and installation for you. Unlimited window treatments installed for just one low cost. And with Blinds.com, you'll always get transparent pricing. No hidden fees. Our free shipping and 100% satisfaction guarantee can put the spring back into your step. And into your home, too. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 45%. Up to 45% off for a limited time at Blinds.com. Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, oh, oh.